Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, buddy. If you don't mind if I plug my Movember page real quick. Please do. I am growing a mustache Mm -hmm. uh, this month for Movember for for cancer research. Yeah. Specifically... uh, Male prostate cancer research. That's right. And you can donate to my team, which would be pretty cool. Because, you know, you get a free podcast, and it would be nice to throw a little money toward cancer research. Yeah. In Chuck's the name of being, my stash. Chuck's being nice here. Give him some money. He's growing out <laughs> facial hair to help a, a, a charitable organization engage in really important scientific research. That's right. And you can go to mobro.co slash Charles Bryant. Uh-huh. And that is my page. Or... Just go to the Movember site, type in Charles Bryan in the search bar, and look for the picture of me. There's only a couple of us out there. Chuck's wearing a red shirt. That's right. Yeah. Um, so uh, what is that again? That's mobro.co slash Charles Bryant. Yes. Thank you in advance. Yeah. That's nice, Chuck. All right. Let's get to it. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. With me, as always, is Charles W. Chuck Bryant. What up, yo? That was written down even. Did you say said asterisk? What up, yo? What up, yo? I got my fat stacks. What is that? This is my Breaking Bad tribute. Oh. Because this is about meth. Uh, I've only... Is that what that show's about? You knew that. Yeah. Okay. I saw the first couple episodes. I was like, hey, this is pretty good. Yeah. And I don't have time in my life for this right now. Yeah, I didn't either. Um, but I'm marathoning it now. Yeah. And I have uh, gotten through... Halfway through season four. And there's... How many... What did they just... They're on in real season time five end. now. Oh, they started it? It's not over? I thought there was like a finale. Uh, I think it's um, in two parts. I think they did the first eight, and then they're taking a break, and then the last eight of season five. Gotcha. That's it. Oh, that's the end. I think that, um, if I understand, that is the end of the series. Well, why don't you tell everybody what happens at the end? Well, I don't know yet. Well, it's tell everybody enough. what happens at the end of seasons one, two, three. You know, they cook a lot of meth and sell a lot of meth, and people get killed. Spoiler alert. Yes. Um, and you end up talking like Jesse Pinkman if you watch the show. If you watch 18 episodes over the course of four days, mm-hmm. you end up saying a lot of things like fat stacks and what up, yo. What is a fat stack? Money? Yeah. Okay. And I would call you the name for female dog because he uses that word about eight times an episode. Really? Yeah. Gosh. The potty mouth on TV today. Oh, it's cable. Yeah. We're cable. We don't say things like that. It's because we're clean boys. You said female dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I feel like we're on our way to baseball practice or something. Uh, so, yeah, we are talking meth. Breaking Bad's not the only. Have you ever seen The Salt and Sea? Yeah. Boy, that was good. Man. Um, Spun. Never saw that one, but I know that one's about meth. That was okay. Um, Spun was a little tough to watch. It was one of those that it's like, we want to take you inside the mind of a meth user. Yeah. Like, eh. Yeah. Um, American Pie 2. Uh, Porky's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jaws 2. Yeah. All about meth. All of them about meth, um, which is surprising because a lot of those aren't. But if you um, wanted to know everything there is to know about meth without using it, you have turned to the right place because this episode covers meth pretty hard. Yeah. And I'm, I, that's my recommended version of getting to know about meth. Yeah. Is to not use it ever and just to listen to us talk about how awful it is. But you're still going to feel pretty freezy by the end of this episode, you know, because my boy Tom Sheave. Yeah, good the, article. The man. female dog. Uh, <laughs> was, he uh, he wrote a great article on meth. 
I asked him once. I was like, "What are some of your favorite articles?" Because I was looking for ones to to do episodes. He's like, "Meth." Yeah. He's like, "It was really good." And then he launched into this discussion about the history of it, which is pretty fascinating. Awesome. So let's talk about meth. If you do a little bit of meth, how long will you be high for, Chuck? <laughs> uh, well, it depends what you call a little bit, but it could be anywhere from three to six hours to mm-hmm. 24 hours. Yeah. Or if you keep using it, you could be up for days. Yeah, which is apparently something that people like to do. Uh, they they don't just take a hit of meth. I've seen hit. Uh, there was this frontline, there's a frontline microsite about the meth epidemic, yeah. and they kept calling it a hit. And I'm like, what is a hit? Oh, yeah, they call it the little baggie that you buy on the street. They call it something on Breaking Bad. I can't remember. At Stacks? No, that's the money. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you make them selling it. Female dog? Nope. That's everyone on the show. <laughs> I don't know. That. <laughs> I can't remember. Well, Frontline called it a hit, but if you if you do meth, frequently you're not going to just you know take a hit of meth and then be like, well, that's it for me. Yeah, I'm going to go to work and uh, I'm fine. Don't ever need to do this again. Yeah, you know, you'll be like, oh, a half hour has passed. I think I should do maybe a little more and then a little more. And now I'm up for eight days in a row. Yeah, until my body hard. blacks out yeah. and I fall over <laughs> and get some sleep. Can we talk street names real quick? Sure. Because that's always fun. Meth, crank, speed, chalk, ice, glass, crystal. Crystal meth. Tina. Really? Hmm? Um, Tweak. I lived in Yuma, Arizona, as you know. Lots of meth users there. Um, You can tell. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You told me that one story. Was it the like the washing the car? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'd be going home from, you know, a saloon at... 2.30 2.30 in the morning, and there's people out washing their cars under the floodlights. And you're like, no, that's not really funny. I wonder but... what's going on there. <laughs> or they're gardening or something <laughs> with floodlights on. Um, anyway, Yuma, it's got a lot of drugs. I mean, it's like a mile from Mexico. Yeah. Um, and they called it tweak. They call like, it could be, tweak could be the noun for the drug, like get some tweak. Uh, a tweaker was someone who did it. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom cites a state that you eventually yeah. reached as tweaking. Yeah, that's why I took slight issue because in Yuma they were just called tweakers. It was called tweaking. Mm-hmm. It was called tweak. Yeah. Um, do you want to tweak? It could be a verb. Mm-hmm. Uh, or we are tweaking. It's been quite some time since I've tweaked. <laughs> it's been a week since I've tweaked. Yeah. Yeah. So they used tweak uh, for basically every facet, and I don't know if that was a regional thing or not. Gack. That's another one. Really? It's an ugly word. Crank was the old days. That was like that's when the motorcycle gangs. Yeah, were biker crank. Yeah, <laughs> or trucker crank. Yeah, all those days. Yeah, like we were, you know, in the Hell's Angels. <laughs> we're taking greenies. Greenies were those uh, speed, uh, like pharmaceutical speed. Yeah, that's what. Until 2006, baseball players were very famous for taking greenies. Really? Yeah, big time. Huh. And a lot of athletes actually have been known to abuse amphetamines because, you know, it jacks you up and. You win the race. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All right. That's enough for the street names. Okay. Um, Meth happens to be highly addictive, Mm -hmm. and it's highly addictive following the same route that any stimulant addicts you with. Mm -hmm. I think that was correct, ultimately. Yeah. Um, It stimulates your central nervous system to produce dopamine, and your brain is flooded with dopamine. So all of a sudden, you have um, uh, hyperactive movement. Because dopamine controls and regulates movement of your body. Yeah. 
Um, you uh, feel really, really good. Yeah. Because dopamine is related to feelings of euphoria and a sense of well-being. Um, and uh, you, your emotions may become... Heightened? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I think so. Um, the problem is, as with all... Um, all drugs, really, mm -hmm. is that you cannot naturally reproduce the sensation. So you do more of the drug, and then, like with all drugs, your tolerance builds up, and you need more of it to reach that sensation that you're striving for. Right. And there you have it. You're addicted to meth. Right. And um, the downside of that, aside from spending extra money to get to the same place... There's about a million downsides, for sure. <laughs> right. Um, is that if you ever do decide to quit meth... Your dopamine receptors have shrunk. The number of dopamine receptors in your brain have shrunk. They don't function quite as well. And um, you are dopamine deficient, which means that when you get off the meth, which is the only thing that's really increasing your dopamine levels any longer, you're going to encounter sensations of utter hopelessness and depression. Yeah. And that will likely feed back into a vicious cycle where you go back onto meth so that you can not feel depressed or hopeless any longer. So it's very, very tough to um, quit that cycle of addiction. Uh, if you want to know more about addiction, we did a pretty cool yeah, that was a good one. Uh, yeah, um, episode on addiction itself. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty standard stuff. Well, yeah, um, the good news is your dopamine levels will over time um, reset to normal. Mm -hmm. um, in pretty much all cases, I did see that they, in one of these surveys, or not surveys, but studies, they found that even a couple of years after ceasing it, um, the brain did not recover in some areas after two years of abstinence. Uh, so there could be some like long lasting, maybe not permanent, I don't want to say that word, but long lasting effects. Right. Um, if you get your hands on some meth and you're like, I'm going to do this, there are generally four ways that people take meth. The most common is to snort it. Second um, is to smoke it. Third is to shoot it. And then some people take it orally, which I can only imagine will cause stomach ulcers too sweet. Yeah. Because this is really, really toxic stuff. Yes. At the very least, um, if you're smoking it, <laughs> you will get something called meth mouth. Yes. And if you are not around your dinner right now, <laughs> yeah. you can go Google image pictures of meth mouth. Man, it is tough to look at. Yeah. If you ever want to never, ever do meth, then go look at pictures of that or Google uh, meth before after. Oh, the mugshots? Yeah. Did you see the one that... <laughs> so it's a public service announcement. This sheriff in Arizona? Probably. Oregon? Mm, probably Arizona. It was some sheriff's deputy started noticing people coming in um, that were on meth and it, realizing that this was like their second or third or fourth time in. Yeah. And he started collecting their mug shots and created this basically like before and after yeah. of mug shots of people who do meth. And like the results are staggering because it yeah. also has the length of time in between the pictures. So uh -huh. sometimes it's two months, sometimes it's two and a half years. And people will age like. 10, 20 years in like a year or two just from doing yeah. meth hardcore. And meth mouth in particular is really, like Chuck says, extremely disgusting and hard to look at. I've seen some pictures of some pretty horrible stuff in my lifetime. And 
the meth mouth is really tough to look at. Yeah. Your teeth like fall out, crack and fall out. Yeah. First they decay, then they crack, then they fall out, and you might have sh- sharp, jagged little stumps left with the exposed darkened gums. And they're not quite sure exactly what causes meth mouth, but they think it's a combination of things. One, they think it's the harsh chemicals that the drug is made from. Yeah. They think that um, the constriction of the capillaries and the blood vessels going to your mouth uh, makes them uh, uh, wither and die. Yeah. So then the tissue decays. And then um, they think that it also gives you dry mouth, so your saliva... Uh (laughs) So your saliva... um, isn't present any longer to, to keep the harsh acids, the, the um, digestive acids that are present nor- naturally in your mouth. It, the saliva's not there to wash it away, Ugh. so they just grind down on your teeth. And then you yourself, while you're tweaking, are grinding your teeth too. Yeah, yeah. So those four things in conjunction basically account for meth mouth, they think. Wow. It's nasty. Oh, it's nasty it's stuff. It's beyond nasty. Um, your heart rate is going to really shoot up. <clears throat> you are going to be more alert. You're going to be breathing quicker. You're going to be sweating a lot. Uh, you're going to be very talkative about everything. Or you're going to go into a room and sit around and rock and think about yourself and your place in the world. Yeah. Uh, you might feel superhuman or intelligent or empowered. Um, you are n- none of those, which is the ironic thing. Right. Um, and this one is the... None of it's funny. This one is unusual. Funny. <laughs> Is the uh, the mundane tasks? Yeah, like you hear reports of like meth heads who take apart their television and put it back together over and the course just of a day. Fascinated the whole yeah. time. Um, but there's a breaking. This won't spoil anything. There's a Breaking Bad scene where uh, where Jesse's trying to get some uh, tweakers out of out of a house mm-hmm. into the front yard, and he goes and gets a shovel. And the guy's like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "I know. I can't remember what he called them. I know meth heads." And he went, I know these female dogs. Yeah, and he went and started digging a hole in the front yard. And one of them just comes out, and he's like, what are you doing? He's like, what does it look like? I'm digging this hole, man. i got to find it. And the guy just kind of wanders out looking, and then he's like, you mind taking over? And all of a sudden, this dude he's never met before is out there just digging this hole to China. <laughs> and that's like the mundane task that yeah. you can get a meth head preoccupied with. Right. And they will put together that puzzle for two days straight. Right. Tom points out that this is... That makes this very alluring for somebody who's, say, an assembly line worker. Yeah. Who has to do repetitive tasks for eight hours at a stretch. And once they do meth, they're suddenly like, wow, this is really fascinating work that I do here. Right. And also, the time just went by lickety split. And now I can go do more meth. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's well, go party. Yeah. Because that's, you know, that's your workhead stash. The, you keep your partying stash at home, I would guess. Um, in addition to the mush mouth, um, one thing you'll see a lot on Breaking Bad and in the photos is these scabby uh, lesions on your face. Yeah. And I wasn't sure what that was. I thought it might be some with the chemicals or the burning. I think it's a little of that, too. Well, it's also just scratching. Right. Scratching your face, scratching your face, scratching your face until I have a hole in my cheek. Yeah. But I think it starts out with an actual blemish from the chemicals like oh, is it? being excreted through your skin. So nasty. Um you're probably not going to ever get really fat if if you are addicted to meth. Yeah. Um your your appetite's just like not there. Yeah. Um so yeah, a lot of people like the I guess that effect of it if they feel fat but they don't really care about their teeth, then meth probably seems like a logical alternative. Well, and we'll get into this, but it was 
speed as what diet bills were for many, many years. Yep. Um, and eventually, if you stay on the meth, you will eventually freaking lose your mind, Yeah. basically. Yeah. And you will hear things and see things and experience psychosis and hallucinations. And uh, <clears throat> part of that is the drug at work, and part of that is beating your body up and being Sleep up for days and days. Yeah. So, yeah. Eventually, it will get the best of you. There is no rosy outcome. Yeah. If you're doing meth. What's nuts about meth is that, like, it is all of Nancy Reagan's fibs and distortions and outright lies about other drugs yeah. brought to life. Yeah. Like, you really do murder your loved one with a claw hammer because you perceive them to be the devil. Yeah. Like, you really do, like, um, scald your your three-year-old niece to death with hot water because you've been up for too many days to know what you're doing. Like, you do steal a tank and drive it through downtown San Diego and <laughs> then are shot to death by the police. Like, that stuff happens on meth. No lie, no exaggeration. Yeah, that, I think, I meant to look this up. It seemed like recently I read a story about this lady that broke into Walmart. Mm-hmm. Or not broke in, but... Was in Just Walmart. Like walk through the door. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm in Walmart. Um, no, and started to try and cook meth in the Walmart. She was so messed up, she got all the, the ingredients and started the process. I might be wrong, but I could have sworn I remember reading that lately. Well, I think that's one of the problems, one of the big dangers with meth is there's so many, uh, so many addicts who know how to make the drug that they're addicted to. Yeah. Like you, if you're a junkie, you can't just make your own heroin. Like you have to harvest poppies. Or if you are a cokehead, you can't like, where are you going to get your coca leaves? You know, like meth is made from what used to be, at least until a couple of years ago, readily available ingredients. All right. You know what's just sad? I looked up meth in Walmart and it's happened more than once. No way. It was like a woman in St. Louis, a man in Ohio, like cooking, trying to cook meth inside of a store. That's crazy. While it was open or closed? Uh, I think the one lady was while it was open. It's probably not a successful Don't plan. Don't mind me. <laughs> yeah. I'm just shopping for tents. <laughs> and ephedrine. Right. Uh, so, okay, let's talk about the history of methamphetamines. Yeah, this is really cool. It is pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, there is a rumor that I'd heard years and years ago that it was the Nazis who came up with meth. And as I grew a little older, I was like, that's not true. And it turns out it isn't true. But what is true is that the Nazis supplied their infantrymen, their airmen, their sailors, everybody in the German military during World War II with tons of methamphetamines. Yeah. Like they were jacked up on meth and fighting, which is the most psychotic idea I've ever heard. Yeah, Nazis on meth sounds like a... uh some sort of speed metal band or something. Yeah. You know? Or like a weird musical. <laughs> yeah, it says this one stat in one four, hour, uh, four month period in 1940, German military was fed more than 35 million speed tablets. Say that one more time. 35 million speed tablets in a four month period <laughs> fighting the war. Can you imagine? And it wasn't just us, though. I mean, I'm sorry, it wasn't just them. No. The Americans and the Brits were. What was it, dexedrine? Yeah, dexedrine and benzedrine. Yeah. And then the Japanese had their own kind of crank. Um, Military grade. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And so there was that was a big thing in World War II was supplying the boys on the line with as much meth as they could possibly take. 
and keeping them up and angry, keeping them eating less. Oh, yeah. So they were consuming less food like I that. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Um, and just turning them into basically like literal fighting machines almost. Wow. I, I did see that the uh, apparently the Germans tested it at first and found a soldier could march 55 miles <laughs> Before, In an hour. Before collapsing, basically, like without stopping. Yeah, and this, the Germans had this thing called uh, Pervitin. Yes. Pervitin or Pervitin, probably Pervitin. And that was their meth. And apparently toward the end of the war, they were like, okay, the Pervitin's working pretty good, but let's see what we can do to really jack these guys up. And they, the Nazi scientists came up with D-I-X. Crazy. And it was three milligrams of Pervitin mixed with five milligrams of cocaine and five milligrams of a painkiller all combined. <laughs> And apparently this thing never got out or hit the street because the uh, allies the allies invaded yes. and probably did it all, whatever they could find. Wow. And it went away. It was wiped off the face of the earth. Cocaine, and, meth, and painkiller in a pill. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. But we should go back even further. Yeah. Prior to World War II, uh, thousands of years ago in China, in India, in Pakistan – there were uh, trees, a group of shrubs known as ephedra. Mm-hmm. They, yeah, they have uh, a an active ingredient that was isolated in 18, 1887 by a Japanese chemist. Mm-hmm. Ephedrine, it's an amphetamine. And uh, shortly after that, um, somebody turned ephedrine into a methamphetamine by adding a methyl group to it. And then after that, somebody turned it into crystal methamphetamine, which is meth. So 1919. Yeah, that's how long crystal meth's been around. Yeah, it just seems like a newer thing. Yeah, you would think like maybe from the 60s or 70s, Maybe, right? yeah. So after the war, after World War II, um, when everybody was on speed, uh-huh. people came back from the front saying, hey, we really like the speed. Yeah. Uh, it became available publicly. In Germany, during the war, this stuff was available publicly, the uh, pervitin. Yeah. But the dexedrine and benzedrine became available in the United States, I think during the war as well, but it became very popular in the 50s and 60s for, like you said, a number of reasons, like dieting. Well, yeah, and before that, what's scary is is they, like the early drug days, we found out, were just crazy. <laughs> this crazy weird land where they were making these new things like LSD and Tweak. And they say in the early days of crystal meth, they it didn't even have a purpose yet. Yeah. And they people were just uh, giving it to patients and just, hey, try this out. Like, you need to pick me up? Yeah. Like, this stuff seems to work pretty well. Yeah. Are you depressed? Like, try this stuff. Sure. You might not be so depressed. Right. And uh, then it got a little more specific, and they were like, all right, we can use it in antidepressants and diet pills. Right. Legitimate use. Sure. You know? And so Benzedrine and Dexedrine came about. Jack Kerouac wrote um, On the Road. Is that true? Yes. That sound, I've always heard that, like a three-day No, it was longer than three days. It was three weeks, I see. Oh, was it? Yeah. But he taped together a bunch of paper and, that, and wrote it all the way down. Wow. Um, and uh, it turned out to be 120 feet long. Oh, really? On the Road was. Interesting. Yeah, Kerouac definitely knew his way around a, a Benny. It, well, like he, a he, bottle and whatever else. Sure. Yeah. Uh, he mentions them in on the road. Yeah. They're, they they're like a, a minor character almost. Yeah, I read that and Big Sur while I was traveling through Big Sur. Big Sur was ago. awesome because it had that one moment in it where he's like, "You can't fall off a mountain," 
Oh, yeah. It was so awesome. It makes such utter sense. Like, sure, you can fall down a mountain, and yeah. you're probably going to die depending on where you fall, but you can't fall from the top to the bottom. Like, you can't fall off a mountain. I just thought that was so neat because <laughs> it, like, mind. drilled right into my head just the way he meant it to right yeah. then. Yeah. He was uh, he was quite the meth head, though. Yeah, he was a speed or, freak. Yeah, speed freak, I guess. Sure. And they finally have made that into a movie. Yeah. Is it it's coming out, or did it? I think it's very soon. Who's in it? Because um, I remember being excited about it, but I forgot. Well, the Twilight Girl's in it, which, yeah. Uh, but who is playing? Uh, uh, I can't remember who's playing the the two guys. Cassidy, yeah, and Jack. Well, it wasn't Jack. It was uh, Sal, right? Yeah, that's right. I don't know, but it was Jack. I mean, right? You know, and Cassidy was named somebody else, or was he Moriarty? Even? Yes, was that it? I think it was. It's been a while. Either but, that, yeah, it looks pretty good, though. You're either thinking of On the Road or the Sherlock Holmes series. <laughs> but, yeah, so so uh, Kerouac was part of the pretty much popular American culture from housewives to doctors to um, anybody who were hooked on Benny's or Dexedrine. And um, eventually it became quite obvious that America was a nation of speed freaks and we needed to do something about it. So the government stepped in and they started controlling speed. Yeah, they um, one of the things they tried to do is control what they call precursor chemicals, mm-hmm. the things you use to make the meth. Right. And um, I guess we'll get into this later, but it hadn't really worked that well over the years because it just we've if one thing we've learned is that there are a certain amount of people that want to do their drugs, there's a certain amount of people that want to make them and sell them. Yeah. And those numbers don't really change that much over the years. No. Despite but- laws and any efforts by the, you know legal measures, it's going to happen. So, um, well, let's talk about the 70s real quick, because I think it fits with this. Yeah. Like, a, a sterling example of that was the motorcycle gangs, like the Hells Angels. They were making what you would call today crank, amphetamines, right? P2P? They were using a precursor chemical called uh, phenyl-2-propanone, and uh, P2P was a pool chemical, and they were using it to make crank. And it worked pretty well. I mean, I guess it made decent crank. Um, and the government outlawed P2P or clamped down and regulated its uh, its sale and, and production. Yeah. And so the outlaw bikers said, well, we'll just have to figure something else out. I guess some of them looked into the annals of history and realized that ephedrine was out there, easily available. You could buy it from the manufacturer legally. And they started using that. But there was a big surprise when they successfully made um, crank using ephedrine, wasn't there, Chuck? Yeah, they found out this junk is twice as strong as the last junk, <laughs> right. which I guess was great news if you were a Hells Angel cooking uh, speed. Yeah, I'm sure. You Be- know? They added a methyl group and it became methamphetamine. Basically, that um, 1919 recipe was lost to the ages and accidentally discovered by Hells Angels. That's right. And as Tom points out, that would bring the trade in illegal speed to its jittery knees. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. He's got some. This this article is definitely worth reading. Yeah, actually, that was when P two P was under control. Right, but you know, I had to uh, delight everyone with his prose. Um, well, should we get to the brothers then, and then jump back to how you make it? Sure, man. <laughs> uh, Jesus and Luis, uh, Emma, Emmezcua. I think so. Emmezcua, Emmezcua. They are pretty much. One of the big reasons why meth is such a big deal right now. Uh, in the 1980s, they were some small-time coke runners. Yeah. 
and they said this is pretty good, making a little bit of dough. But um, this meth uh, meth thing is pretty interesting. So let me go uh, import some ephedrine from overseas, make some money. A short time later, mid-1990s, they are responsible for 80% of the meth in the United States of America. Yeah. Like, they took over the whole scene, basically. Yes. Well, they created the scene almost. They, yeah. They basically said, we are going to um, just start importing pure ephedrine mm-hmm. from manufacturers in, like, India. Yep. And they did. And they were doing this for years and years and years. And they very, very wisely would order it from the factory and then route it through, like, Europe to Mexico yeah. or South America to Mexico. or so, but It never went through the U.S., so they kept the U.S. customs officials out of it. Right. Well, the U.S. still got their hands on it one time. Uh, they seized 3.4 metric tons of ephedrine. And we're like, oh, okay, now we know where this high-grade speed came from out of nowhere. Yeah, exactly. Um, and why people are killing their friends with claw hammers all of a sudden. It's because of these guys who are importing this. And now all of a sudden, this this um, thought to outlaw precursor chemicals kicks back in, and they start right. clamping down on ephedrine. Yes. True. And that made a bit of a dent for a little while. Yeah. But like we said, uh, where there is a will, there is a way. Mm-hmm. And um, despite the DEA's efforts and the American government, uh, you had temporary licenses granted to people uh, selling it. Uh, and the pseudo ephedrine basically was like still readily available because there were so many. They basically said you got to register with us if you want to sell this stuff. Right. And they were so overloaded that they couldn't even process all these applications. But they were overloaded. Like the the people who were illegally selling and producing ephedrine and selling them to drug cartels applied for licenses, yeah. and the DEA was so swamped they said everybody just gets a temporary license. So people were for a brief period legally selling ephedrine to these cartels. In bulk. Yeah. And imagine they were making pretty good money doing it. Yeah. Which is why they kept doing it. You know? Yeah. Um, But eventually that dried up a little bit, and um, most of the stuff moved to uh, Mexico um, in earnest. Canada. The Super Labs, Canada. Um, Do you say it was at Iraq or Iran? Well, Iran's the rising star right now. Oh, really? They had, um, in 2008, there were two meth labs busted in Iran. And in 2010, they busted 166. Wait, from what to what? Two to 166 in two years. Holy cow. Yeah, Iran's like crazy for meth right now. Jeez. And apparently in Japan, a gram goes for $1,000. So I bet that's where a lot of it's going, too. Really? Pakistan's big on meth. Apparently, Southeast, South, and East Asia are really fond of meth right now. Huh. Yeah. Boy, that's scary. Um, So jumping back, though, um, they tried to control the the sale of pseudoephedrine more and more, and then they just realized that these meth cooks, like the super labs, they're not going into grocery stores and buying pseudoephedrine. I don't know. I think some of them are. Oh, I don't think in that quantity. Well, they're buying, like, cold pills in bulk. They're still using that as the precursor. Yeah, but in bulk. Like, they're not walking into Rite Aid. Right, right, okay. And buying, you know, 300 boxes of cold pills. That would probably raise some red flags. Exactly. But um, home cooks and uh, people that are into making their own meth for, you you know, themselves or their friends, um, 
break into stores sometimes or sometimes just buy mm-hmm. um, what they call blister packs. They're the little pill packages with the little single pills. you got to pop out one at a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they actually have de-blistering machines to do that for you right. if you're a larger operation, right. which I didn't, I'd never heard of that. So this whole pseudofedrin thing, you know how you used to just be able to walk down the aisles and you could buy pseudofed, and it was right there uh-huh. on, on the shelf. Well, it, now you have to buy it from behind the counter. Oh, yeah? Because it's federal regulation. Like, you can't just sell it out. It's yeah. too easy to steal. You have to you have to interact with a human being who can call the DEA or the cops. You're allowed in a lot of states, like, no more than one pack. Sometimes you have to show your driver's license. Wow. There's all these regulations. It's still not making much of a dent. But and, uh, and apparently the reason the big rub to meth, home-cooked meth, uh-huh. is the pharmaceutical lobby. Because they, they're like, well, we don't want our cold medicine to only be available by prescription. Yeah, we're moving a lot of this product. Yeah, but in states where they, they, did, uh, they did make Sudafed and other like, um, cold medicines that have Sudafedrin in it, uh, prescription only, they've seen a sharp decrease in meth-related crime. Oh, yeah? So that does work. Behind the counter, doesn't work. Prescription only apparently does work. Gotcha. Yeah. But those are for home cooks. Um, what's the stat about uh, the oh, the super labs? If you are buying meth in the United States, most of that is uh, made by the super labs um, like you see on Breaking Bad. So now I've heard that I think this might be out of date. Oh, yeah? Apparently, in 2009, Mexico finally caved to American pressure and said, okay, we're just outlawing pseudofedrin imports altogether. Uh And so the Mexican cartel said, okay, well, we're just going to move all our huge operations into smaller operations in California. And now California makes more meth than the next five top producing states in the country combined. Oh, really? Yeah. But it's all smaller labs, so if one gets busted, who cares? Right. Which makes more sense, you know? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because what was the stat he gave that what percentage was made by the – there were only four super labs, but they were making like 80% of the meth. Yeah, something? 4% of labs are super labs, but they were making 80%. And apparently that was true until 2009. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, that's good. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about making it? Yeah, I guess we, we need to talk about making it. <laughs> this is sort of like the how to grow marijuana. Well, there's some key – you can tell there's key stuff left out here. Yeah, I think one of the But I guess this means that <laughs> Tom knows how to make method from researching this. All right. So here's how to do it, Josh. Um, what you want to do is if you don't have your meth or your, I'm sorry, your ephedrine or pseudoephedrine mm-hmm. uh, in its powder form, you need to separate that from the tablets and the cold medicine. And when you do that by mixing it with a solvent and the solution is then filtered, exposed to low temperatures... And then you can remove the inert material, and you're left with um, your pure pseudoephedrine or ephedrine. Right. That's step one. Step two. You want me to handle this? You're going to make me culpable? No, no, I'll <laughs> help. Um, you you want to take your uh, your pseudoephedrine, uh-huh. um, whether you've removed inert materials or you had the pure stuff. Um, you want to mix it with red phosphorus and uh, hydriotic acid. Which I don't know what that is, but red phosphorus is like matchsticks. You can get that from like the tip of a match. Yeah, it contains red phosphorus. That's why if you see people buying lots of ma- book matches, then they might be tweaking. Yeah, or making especially their own if their teeth are cracked. Cooking, yes, right. What Fil- do you do then? You filter out that stuff, the red phosphorus. You're going to reuse it later. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then you neutralize the remaining acid uh, by adding a lye solution. Mm-hmm. And you add, it just says a substance, which I like. This is where it gets a little vague. Right. Um, is added to bind the meth, um, and then you, the liquid meth is drained out at that point, and you're right. left with, uh, the crystalline. Is that, is that the point? No, you have to, you have to bubble hydrogen chloride gas. Oh, okay. Which is <laughs> through the incredibly meth. toxic. Through the liquid meth, and yeah. that turns it into a crystal, a hydrochloride salt. Right. You're gonna filter that. Um, what is left is then dried out, and then um, in Breaking Bad, at least, it's on these sheets, like cookie sheets, mm-hmm. and they break the ice, as they call it, mm-hmm. and um, or step step on it, which means you add other nasty, inert filler to mm-hmm. basically cut the drug and make it go go further Yeah, to unwitting uh, purchasers and snorters, Yeah, and you weigh it, package it, ship it out. Sell it. In Japan for a thousand dollars a gram. That's right. Um, this sounds very easy, and apparently it kind of is if people walk into Walmart and try to do it themselves. Um, the problem is it's extremely dangerous, especially if you're separating um, ephedrine or pseudephedrine from like uh, inert material in a cold medicine. Yeah, you're adding an extra step. You're also adding a solvent, which is that they tend to be explosive, so you have an explosion danger. Yeah. Um, you're also inhaling some really toxic, toxic chemicals. Yeah. Um, up to I think 32 different chemicals used in in making meth, and the byproduct itself produces six times of, of the actual product that you're looking for. So if you produce one pound of methamphetamine, mm-hmm. you've produced six pounds of toxic materials. Yeah. As a result. You want me to go over some of these chemicals? Yeah. This is what you're snorting or smoking if you're doing meth. Um, potentially gasoline, <laughs> ether, paint thinner, freon, chloroform, uh, camp stove fuel, uh, Epsom salt, uh, red, so red devil lye, drain cleaner, battery acid. Yeah, that's pretty bad. That's fun to snort. Muriatic acid, <laughs> uh, lithium from batteries, sodium metal, um, ephedrine, iodine. Uh, did I say paint thinner? It's worth saying again if you did. Yeah, so those are some of the chemicals that, and you know, in Breaking Bad, they they don't use any of this stuff. That's kind of one of the things is the guy's a chemist and he's very right. proud of his drug. Sure. And they don't even use cold pills. They make they start from the beginning in a chemistry sense to make their own ephedrine. Yeah. Wow. And um, it's all very pure, and you know, it's not full of all this gunk. Right. And it's blue, which uh, is interesting because that is not. That it's a signal that it is impure. Oh, really? It's a hallmark of the show, this blue meth. But um, these days there are enterprising uh, meth cooks that are dying their meth blue. And the article I read said they're not quite – they call it Smurf dope. And uh, it said it's not clear why they're doing this. It could be just to stand out and to market their product or it could be to throw off tests like um, on-site um, tests to see if it's oh, meth. Yeah. They'll drop it in if it turns blue. Mm-hmm. said – and some think it might be influenced by Breaking Bad. I wonder. I'm like, yeah, I bet you. Yeah. I'm sure it is. Um, however you make it, whether it's blue yeah. or you're adding dye, you are creating a toxic site. Very. Like we talked about in, um, what, what, what episode was it? I can't remember about that. It was basically like, oh, crime scene remediation or crime scene something. Crime scene cleanup, yeah. Yeah. Um, and one of the things, one of the big, I guess um, jobs in the industry is cleaning up meth labs. Yeah. Uh, 
it, it, once you do this, you are, have pretty much rendered a house useless. Like Tom points out that sometimes when a, the cop sees a meth lab yeah. and it's a house, they just won't even buy They'll just abandon it yeah. because they can't resell it. Yeah, I mean, it gets in the curtains and the carpet and the tiles mm-hmm. and the wood. Um, and that's if the house doesn't explode yeah. altogether. It's a good one. The house, the um, campsite. Yeah. The camper. Yeah, the RV. The uh, car, the trunk of the car. Yeah. Or the back of the van. The motel room. The Walmart. Yep. <laughs> yeah, the aisle, aisle seven at Walmart. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's pretty scary stuff. Uh, and... You know, on Breaking Bad, they're scientists and chemists, and they're wearing all the equipment, and they have, or they're wearing all the gear, and they have all the nice equipment. Sure. But that's not like these these homegrown cooks are not super smart because they're doing this to begin with, and then they might be severely tweaking mm-hmm. up for days, mm-hmm. not thinking straight, and that's why they will have explosions and try and eat dirt as they're dying because the taste in their mouth is so bitter. Right. And uh, someone's left to clean up the mess. And that's what makes it the number one abused hard drug in the world, more than cocaine and heroin combined. Yeah, I saw that. And that's meth. <laughs> I got a couple of scary stats, I guess. We can finish off with some, some depressing news. Okay. Um, uh, I'll just summarize here. The overall picture is that are that there are less new users, which is good. Yeah. But the stable level of methamphetamine abuse is kept it's basically there's still just as much meth just fewer new users the people that are using it are really using it more and more crazy like they're really into it so it's (laughs) it's not going anywhere and you know the dea has it's sort of dipped in years but risen back it's just one of those things it's like any drug like cocaine has been in and out of fashion for 150 years sure it'll it'll dip down and they'll tout some numbers but then it'll shoot right back up in another country maybe um, 1.2% of 8th graders, 1.6% of 10th graders, and 1% of high school seniors Is that a lifetime? have abused at least once in the prior year to the survey. Wow. Which, those are pretty low numbers, but I was hoping it would be like 0.01 sure. or something like that. Well, America, I mean, if there's like 23 million users worldwide, America's got about 2 million of them. I mean, that's pretty significant. I thought it'd be more than that. I would think so, too. Hmm. That's what I heard. Don't do it. Don't do meth. (laughs) It's just a bad idea. Yep. I think that's a great way to end it. Get high on life. (laughs) Go for a natural high, high, high. Be in yourself. That's nice, Chuck. (laughs) Um, If you want to learn more about meth and all of the myriad reasons why you should not do it, you can type in meth. In the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And this one uh, goes to our drug suite. We've done MDMA. Mm-hmm. LS- no, we haven't. Yeah, we did. We did. Uh, we talked about MDMA in the... Um, oh, but not a dedicated show. It was pretty much a dedicated show on MDMA. Was it? Yeah. We talked about LSD a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. How to grow pot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a bunch of stuff. I've got a few more in the kitty. Oh, you do? Yeah, we got to hit crack. We got to hit crack. <laughs> and we got to hit the... Oh, man, I didn't get to use my favorite line. At the beginning of this podcast, they oh. talked about how uh, ancient Chinese used to uh, use Ma Huang to, to uh, get their speed fix. And? Well, that was it. They used Ma Huang. Yeah. <laughs> we uh, talked about so. that somewhere else. 
And I can't remember where, because when I read it, I was like, I remember we joked about this before. We did? Mm-hmm. Ma Huang is a stimulant. I wonder what, did we, didn't we do like uh, traditional Chinese medicine at one point? Might, I think Ma Huang might have made it. Appear <laughs> I think that's right. Okay, I remember now. <laughs> um, wow. So I guess at some point in the recent past, I said search bar, right? Yeah, I think so. So uh, I guess then it's time for listener mail, right? Yes. Um, quick plug before we start for uh, my buddy Cameron Esposito, very funny comedian. Mm-hmm. She is a Chicago native and is in L.A. now, but she has started a podcast called Stand Up Mixtape. Nice. And it is cool because each podcast is like a little comedy LP in that she has moved a comedy show into a studio. Mm-hmm. So instead of at some club, some crappy club with people clinking glasses and, you know. I like that sound. Well, it's nice, but this is like pristine, like excellent sound. She hosts um, and hosts one of her comedian friends, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just good stuff. It's very funny, small, intimate little feel. Right on. You can like feel it, even though you're hearing it. Okay. So that's stand-up mixtape. Is it uh, available in the normal places? E-G yeah. iTunes? Yep. Okay. Yep. Cameron Esposito. Go see her. She's very funny. She sports the side mullet. All right. Um, listener mail from Asher about... Uh, just sort of clearing up the, um, I'll just read it. Hey, guys, I was a prosecutor in the Midwest in a prior life, so I was excited to hear your take on criminal records. Yeah. Uh, your information was great all around. Uh, I wanted to clarify one thing, though, because I used to run into it all the dang time. You did yeoman's work by mentioning that expunged is inaccurate. Uh, the records remain and are freely available to law enforcement, prosecutors, and government agencies, but merely can't easily be referenced in a subsequent court proceeding and aren't publicly disclosed. However, you also mentioned that records of traffic crimes are not kept as part of a person's criminal record unless the crime was serious, like vehicular homicide. Um, It does depend on your state, but this is a common misconception. Uh, As a prosecutor, I saw everything you've ever done from from as piddly as a no-seatbelt ticket to as major as murder. Uh, This often became relevant because my office had some discretion to give you a deferred sentence, Basically, you don't screw up for six months and the charge goes away, uh, but only if you had a clean record. I would, on a daily basis, have people fail to disclose a speeding ticket elsewhere in the state that had been expunged some years back, then be shocked that I knew about it. I love the show. Just want to make sure. Uh, just wanted to make sure to mention this little tidbit for you in case you revisit the topic. Also, I emailed you before about your pronunciation of Nevada. Oh yeah, it still makes me puppy cry every time you mispronounce it. But unfortunately, your podcast is great enough that I can continue to overlook it, or at least until my puppy's head explodes. I don't know what that means. Scout meth? <laughs> Asher? Asher. Clean up, buddy. Thank you for writing in, too. Yeah. Um, if you have a correction, especially if it's nuanced, we love that. You can uh, tweet it to us at SYSK Podcast. Indeed. Join us on Facebook.com slash stuff you should know or you can send us a good old-fashioned email to stuffpodcast at discovery.com for more on this and thousands of other topics visit howstuffworks.com 